All right, Daniel, are you ready to start a new episode of the Movies and Brews podcast? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Awesome. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Movies and Brews podcast, where we talk movies and we drink some brews. I'm Jordan, and staring at me through the screen here with a beer that is getting scruffier by the week is Daniel. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Well, so we're going to be knocking out two movies off the AFI list this week. We decided to go back to 1964 and 1948. We're going to be talking Dr. Strangelove, Stanley Kubrick classic, as well as The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, and let's talk some oldies. Cheers! Cheers! Well, Daniel, um, before we get going here, what are you drinking on your end? So I just have some Deschutes, or some of the, uh, yeah, Deschutes Fresh Squeeze IPA on hand, so that's what I got today. Hey, that's, an, that's an excellent one. No, I, I like that one quite a bit. I am as well drinking Deschutes. I've got, so I've never had this one before. It's called the Luna Joe Cold Brew Coffee Lager. Yeah, and, I think that one's new. Yeah, it's, and... uh, it's not bad. I, I like it. I was, I, don't know, I saw it on the shelf. I was kind of you know, build your own six pack thing, and I saw that. I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna get that one to try. Cool. Yeah, might as well. I know. I'm just right. hoping. Cross fingers crossed that Made in the Shade will come out. They, um, there was a new Made in the Shade, which I actually have downstairs. If you want me to go grab it, I can go. I forget what it's called. I can go grab it real quick. Well, I remember they released something different last year, and they, I thought they were gonna alternate. Okay. So I was hoping Made in the Shade was going to come back this year. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Hopefully it does, because that is one of my favorite summer beers. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that getting up to the, the 80s this weekend, it's going to start feeling like summer. Uh-huh. All right. Well, um, as far as like movie news goes, D, is there anything you have out there? Anything going yeah. on out there? <laughs> I wrote down a couple things. Let me see. Pull it up. Okay, so they Disney announced a live-action Hercules movie with the russo brothers producing it and uh chris hemsworth starring as hercules (laughs) who knows i saw people like oh you should have tom holland or some other guy play like young hercules tom holland really i'm like it's kind of funny i was on a i was watching a video this week by i think they're called looper talking about back to the future part four how it's never going to happen and people no, in no. the comments, comment section are like, oh, just make one anyway with Robert Downey Jr.'s doc and Tom Holland as Marty. I'm like, no. No. Get out of here with that. Make Tom, a different movie. He's a good actor and all, but he doesn't need to be in everything. Tom Holland. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, It's never going to happen. It's too far along for a direct sequel. You'd either have to reboot it, which nobody wants. Or, I don't know. You'd have to do a lot, <laughs> but no thanks. You cut out there badly. I don't know if that got recorded like that. Can you repeat, please? Oh, I'm just saying, like, we don't need any Back to the Future. It's been too long since the originals, so just, no. just leave them alone. Just but like, next, they did. They just announced yesterday on Star Wars Day, may the 4th be with everybody, Taika Waititi is going to co-write and direct a new Star Wars movie for theatrical release. That would be cool. I, I, I'm all for that. Yeah, plus he, I mean, he did one of the Mandalorian episodes, and I think he's probably got one in the second season, too. But, so that's cool. Uh, and then Space Jam movie title is was announced called Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I mean. <laughs> that's what I was like, oh, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I'm not, like, ecstatic for it, but I'm not. Like, oh, I'm just kind of interested to see what they're gonna do with it. Like, it could you could essentially make Space Jam again with LeBron James. Yeah, it's either gonna and be people really... will probably be okay as long as it didn't suck. <laughs> yeah, well, it's either gonna be really fun or just garbage. So hopefully, it's really it's fun. Really fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it is kind of one of the sequels that you can do whenever it's not like again, like we're talking Back to Future Four, Wayne's World Three. Those would just be terrible. They made them now. Yeah, exactly. But like Space Jam, you're like, okay, is there still basketball? Yeah, just pick the most famous basketball player, put him in the movie. Yep. 
Michael Jordan wasn't an actor. They pulled it off. Although we will see um, Bill and Ted face the music. I am very curious for that. I am kind of curious, but I'd actually have to watch the first two first. I've yeah. never seen the Bill and Ted movies. Well, it's in the first one, but... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and their bro- bogus journey. was the second one, right? Yes. <laughs> their bogus journey. Originally called Bill and Ted Go to Hell, but they changed it last minute. Kind of like Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, I know. I still want a poster of that. Oh, that'd be cool. They sell reprints. I just never picked one. I saw one in the store, and I just could you imagine how much an original would have been would be worth now? Dude, priceless at that point. You could probably sell it and buy a new car. Oh yeah, like a nice car. I would pay for it if I had the money. Be awesome. All right. Well, cool. Anything else we saw this week, Jordan? Uh, I got a few. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into too many. I got a couple honorable mentions. Uh, saw Gladiator for the first time in a while. Watched it last week, actually, when we were done recording last week's episode. That was a lot of fun because I just haven't seen that movie in a while. But I have a feeling we'll be talking more of Gladiator later this summer because if Fathom Events comes back, they're supposed to be playing Gladiator. Then I'm sure Which we'll both go check it out in theaters. So, But yeah, if they played that in theaters, hell to the yes. Hell yeah. Uh, the other honorable mention is I watched the Back to the Future sequels this last week, and that was a lot of fun because I hadn't watched the sequels in quite some time. Well, I know. Like, and then I've really, the... I, I think I've really seen the uh, sequels like twice a piece, where I've seen the original 20 plus times. Are you sure? Because I've seen the first and the second one. Okay, I've definitely seen the first one more, but the second one has got to be not too far behind. But the third one, I feel like I've only seen once or twice. I don't know. I just know it's been like 10 years since I've seen the sequels. Okay. And it was a lot of fun, though. But yeah, those are kind of my honorable mentions. However, so I watched a documentary that was pretty interesting this last um, uh, week here. It's played on Netflix right now. It's called The Love Me When I'm Dead from 2018. It's centers around Orson Welles. So in the final 15 years of the life of legendary director Orson Welles, he pins his Hollywood comeback hopes on a film, The Other Side of the Wind. In itself, a film about an aging film director trying to finish his last great movie. And so documentary is just a lot of interviews from people from back in the day or family members of people that were involved in this project and mm-hmm. just what Orson Welles was trying to create and... Yeah, it was it was interesting to watch. Uh, one one guy that's kind of, kind of funny. We'll be talking about him later. Um, John Huston, who wrote and directed um, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, he was in the film as a playing a director, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, so the whole thing is narrated by Alan Alan Cumming. I don't know if you remember him, Nightcrawler from back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, it was just an interesting uh, look into the life of like Orson Welles in general. Um, just you know, he made light. He had lightning in a bottle back in the day with Susan Kane. I mean, made what's supposedly the best movie of all time in his twenties. Mm-hmm. He was twenty five when he made Susan Kane, and since then he was basically oh, trying trying to live up to that and make the next greatest things the world had ever seen kind of movie. And he's trying to make Avatar. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> So he was trying to, you know, make this make this movie, um, the other side of the wind, and hopefully that would be kind of his legacy that he left behind. Uh, the movie, you know, he died without without the movie being released. He, I think they finally released it on Netflix. I think it's actually on there right now. Oh, really? Yeah, I would actually like to go back and watch it now. But yeah, it was just a very interesting documentary. Um, it was just cool seeing interviews with all these folks that. You know, we're back, you know, made things back in the day. And they kind of talk about the transition of Hollywood a little bit, too, because, I mean, this is like 19 in the 19, like early 1970s. I mean, you've got Jaws and Star Wars right around the corner, big blockbusters, which are kind of going to be the, you know, these new hot directors, George Lucas, Spielberg. It's kind of be the direction where cinema goes. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like old Hollywood, 
new Hollywood transition you're seeing and just not knowing what to do. I mean, it, I don't know. The whole thing was pretty interesting to watch. I would say if you want to watch a you know fun doc about old Hollywood and Orson Welles, check out The Love Me When I'm Dead. That sounds sweet. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, well, I only watched two. I watched two movies this week, but one of them was Star Wars since it was Star Wars Day yesterday. So I don't need to really talk about A New Hope. It holds up. It's great. My favorite one of the OG trilogy. Well, actually overall, but especially of the original trilogy. But yeah, New Hope yesterday was great. Lost your gap. Guess you've been too busy packing this week. (laughs) Trying to get organized. I said you've probably been too busy packing and trying to get organized this week. For moving. I still had time to watch Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that's why you had one movie, one or two movies this week versus like five like you've had the last few weeks. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I what? Yeah. <laughs> so technically, I watched three or four, I guess, technically, including the two movies we watched. <laughs> but yeah, I watched Star Wars and then I watched 10 Things I Hate About You, which is a late 90s. Wait. Yeah, it's like right at the brink of the end of the 90s. Yeah, it was. I think that was 1999. I think so. Team Rom-Com. That movie, actually, I sub- was watching it. I'm like, I expected it to be cheesy, but I'm like, this actually is a pretty good movie still. Like, I think it holds up pretty well. Yeah, I watched it, I don't know, maybe three years ago for the first time in like 15 years. And I was like, yeah, this is better than I remember it being. Yeah, you think it's going to be like over the top, like hasn't aged as well as like a lot of other team rom-coms around there. But I'm like, this, this actually does pretty well. And, you know, it's the 90s, so it still has a pretty sweet soundtrack, too. Super young. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Julia I... Stiles. And, of course, Heath Ledger. Yeah, Shiloh likes to make fun of me because every time we watch something with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, she always just, like, hears me say, Oh, Shiloh, I love Ghost Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm so sad he doesn't really do acting anymore. I know. <laughs> he used to be a like, role for a while. Now he's playing. I guess he's more of an entrepreneur now. Yeah, he's got some kind of company or investments that he does now. Yeah, he does. So he's doing other stuff, but it. I, I miss him acting because I really like that. But yeah, Ten Things I Hate About You also a super solid like movie. Just a weird rom com that's actually pretty hilarious, and it and it has Heath Ledger in it. You know, and. Heath Ledger also would have been a very good actor had he lived, you know, after he made the best Joker movie. But now he's a legend. But now he's a legend. You're right. I don't know. We were talking about that because I'm like, I feel like after like him, like seeing his progression, like after like the Dark Knight, Shia and I were just like, you know, I bet he would have like kind of gone to like if he like kept doing like good, like actually really good movies like that. I feel like he could have right reached like DiCaprio levels of like. I, I think I think he would have. I think he was on his way out as far as uh, teen heartthrob kind of stuff like DiCaprio used to be, and even like um, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Same thing. How he's just gone like darker role. I mean, like that movie we saw a couple months ago on Good uh, Times. Good Times. Yeah. More roles like that. I mean. You could kind of see a little bit in the his final role, which he you know he died halfway through production of that movie, uh, Doctor Panaskis. Yeah, something like that. I could I could find that real quick here. The Imaginarium it, that was of, a really long yeah, title. The Imaginarium of Doctor Panarsis, which uh, I need to see that again. I haven't see, watched it since I was in theaters, which was, oh, gosh, eleven years ago. Yeah, I've never seen it actually. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. I'd I'd say check it out. I just remember that he died like during production of that, so they kind of had to like rearrange the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they had to pause production and uh, rewrite it. Yeah, because it wasn't going to be him all the way through. Then they ended up rewriting it and uh, filling parts in with uh, who was it? Johnny Depp, Jude Law, and Colin Farrell. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, so I never saw any of it, so I don't know any bits and pieces about the movie. But I should watch it. I've been trying to get Shiloh to watch A Knight's Tale. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm like that that movie's just fun. It's weird. It's 
You know, it's fun to see Heath Ledger too. Mm-hmm. So, although I finally reeled her in because we were talking to one of her friends about stuff, and he's like, "Oh, t- we were talking about ten things about you," and he's like, "Oh, I love that." I'm like, "Tell her she needs to watch a Night's Tale." And he's like, oh, "You haven't seen that?" I'm like, "Perfect. There we go. Got it. <laughs> we're gonna watch it now." That's one I've not seen since theaters that I should watch sometime. I wonder if it would hold up at all. It's just kind of dumb, kind of campy, but it's fun. Like, that's just it. What, yeah, I don't know. I, I like it a lot. I'll have to check that out. So, <laughs> I got one more here. It's not necessarily a movie. I, I didn't watch this movie. I just, I don't know, just play along with me here. I heard him talking about it on a podcast and it just sounded funny. I think the topic they were talking about was what came first, the movie or the title? Mm-hmm. And they were talking about this movie called, this is a 19. 19- 76 movie, you know, probably super low budget. Came out during the summer when kids had nothing to do but just go to the movies and sit in air conditioning. Anyway, the title of it is called Mother, Jugs, and Speed. It stars Bill Cosby, Rachel Welch, and Harvey Keitel. Daniel, I'm going to read you the uh, synopsis here. I pulled it up. It says, The F&B Ambulance Company is locked in an intense battle with the Unity Ambulance Company to win a city contract for providing ambulance service to a territory within Los Angeles. Their star driver is Mother Tucker, played by Bill Cosby, (laughs) a talented anti-hero who drinks alcohol on duty, harasses nuns, and behaves bravely towards uh, practically everybody he meets, including his partner, Leroy. Indeed, the entire company is a band of misfits, including the hypersexual John Murdoch, his partner Walker, and medical uh, student Bliss, and brash Texan uh, Rodeo Moxery. What the fuck? Handling calls at the switchboard is Jennifer, played by Rachel Welch, who the driver's nickname chugs for her ample bosom. So, when Walker is injured after falling through a staircase on a call, Harry uh, Fishbein hires Tony, which is Harvey Cattell's character, a disgraced sheriff's detective and former Vietnam War ambulance driver. Upon learning that Tony has been suspended from the sheriff force due to allegations that he sold cocaine to children, Mother nicknames him Speed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I started up talking about this, and I went and watched the trailer too. I mean, it actually looks like it could be so decently comical, but I don't know. Just hearing the description, <laughs> mother jugs and speed. That sounds incredibly just weird. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. Just hearing him talk about it, though, I was la- I was driving around when I was listening to gold. That's just laughing my ass off. <laughs> Uh, but yeah mother jugs and speed okay well that's that's i mean that is quite the cast you got there with the harvey keitel bill cosby and uh is it raquel welch i don't know how she spells her name r-a-q-u-e-l raquel probably raquel raquel welch okay but yeah (laughs) anyway I just thought that was hilarious, so I thought I'd share it. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing, because that sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the suspended sheriff, because he sold drugs to kids, so they nicknamed him Speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh... Oh, excuse me. But I just like how this, the Cosby character, too, is known. He's like, and a t- uh, talented anti-hero who drinks alcohol on duty and harasses nuns. Like, just why, the... why not? Why wouldn't you harass nuns? <laughs> I'm just like, what the crap? Anyway, pretty funny. Ready to move on here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. On that note... <laughs> Don't know where, don't know where. All right, let's talk Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying 
and love the bomb. So, Daniel. Yes, Jordan. I don't know. All right, so da- Daniel suggested uh, these two classic movies here, and yeah, I'm kind of glad you did because I think I said this earlier when I was watching the Orson Welles documentary. I was like, oh man, you know, I'm just kind of in the mood for old Hollywood. And then, like, I think it was the very next day you suggested, like, hey, let's watch these two movies. They're both off the AFI top hundred list, and I haven't seen them. Let's watch them. So thought it'd be great. And so yeah, here we are with Doctor Strange Love. Yes, so, here we are with. A very weird, 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 weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So, yeah. So it's based off a book by Peter George, who co-wrote the screenplay along with Stanley Kubrick and Terry Southern. This whole thing is directed by Stanley Kubrick, which it's kind of nice to to uh, cross off another one off the Stanley Kubrick list, too, as well. Well, after like watching The Killing, which was like, don't remember when that movie came out, but I really liked that one. I thought that one was very cool. After watching that, I'm just like, yeah, I should. I've heard Doctor Strange love like that name thrown around a bunch. I'm like, I should just watch that. So that's one why I suggested this one. <laughs> it's uh. So what are your initial thoughts on it? My initial thoughts were like I understood it as to be like a black comedy. But I think just because I did not grow up in this like era that it's depicting or anywhere near it, because it's like depicting like what came out in like the 40s, 1946. The movie? No, it came out in the 1963. Yeah, it came out in 1963, like like straight in the Americana ages. I have 64 here on IMDb. Okay. Well, 1963, 1964. Point is, like, that's a very specific time. And American history that I'm just like, you know, I didn't grow up in. And so like, you know, like all these concepts, like I understand, like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I would have had to grown up in that time period or like, you know, I feel like you'd have to have some sort of close relation to actually like understand like why all of the things were funny. Like this was just felt very weird to me and not funny to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. So I watched this, you know, I've heard about this movie for years, obviously. It's one of mm-hmm. Kubrick's classics. I heard it, yeah, along the lines of black comedy. I mean, people, people have talked about it as being hilarious. And yeah, I sat down and watched it the other night. And I don't know. In part of me, I was almost thinking like, am I just not getting in this? Because I mean, there, yes, there are parts here and there. And we'll get into what I did find funny. There are parts here that are funny. But overall, I'm just kind of like, I mean, I guess this is a, good classic movie but it's not the one of the best like especially you know AFI top 100 movies that I've ever seen before and I, I and I kept thinking to myself is there, am I missing something I just I don't I don't know and maybe it is we just didn't grow up in this era but I think we're just missing the explicit context that makes this so ridiculous because I mean it's got some funny parts in it too I mean the whole thing is about you know an insane general triggers a path to nuclear holocaust and then you got a war room full of politicians and the ambassador from Russia, and they're you know, just trying to figure things out to stop the whole thing. Right. I, I, I don't know. That's not good. So, uh, yeah, I guess while I did find stuff funny, I, I, we'll talk about some positives, though. There's definitely a lot of good positives. Like, I maybe this got cut out, but I love Peter Sellers in this. He was uh, the only thing I've ever seen him in is the Pink Panther movies. I think I've seen like maybe two of the four or five that there are. Okay. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great as the Colonel, Doctor Strangelove himself, and the President. I love really liked him as the President. Oh yeah, he played three different characters, didn't he? But yeah, he was all three of those people. Uh, and yeah, I thought he was great in every single role. Uh, Doctor Strangelove and the President to me um, stood out above the other one though. Uh, another real guy I liked that was George C. Scott's character is General Buck. He was hilarious, I thought. I did like his character. So, is my voice okay? I mean, it sounds a little echoey. Shoot, because I can't be near my microphone if I'm going to be plugged in directly through wire instead of Wi-Fi. Gosh dang it. All right, yeah. well, I, apo- I apologize, audience. We are having technical difficulties here, and uh, hopefully we'll not have those next week. Hopefully not. 
Hopefully not. No, there's some good good there's as far as like moments I thought were funny, I did write some down. One thing I, I thought was really funny is when they call um Buck's room at the beginning of the movie and his mm-hmm. lady friend answers. Yeah, secretary. What was her what was her name? Um Miss Scott. Anyway, when she answers, basically, you know, they allude to he's on the on the can and she's talking to them on the phone, relaying the message to him, back and forth, back and forth, being the middle person. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I like seeing I like the relationship with all the uh, pilots. That was fun. Seeing a very young James Earl Jones was crazy. Oh, I know. I'm just like James Earl Jones, and as soon as he starts speaking, I'm like, oh my god, it's James Earl Jones. Yeah, Never it sounded, didn't quite sound like that brute, like Mufasa voice ever used to, or Darth Vader voice, but it was still, yeah, because I mean, what was it, 13 years prior to Darth Vader? Right. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was still pretty cool though, seeing him at such a young age. Uh, trying to think what else did I write down here? Peter Sellers, James Earl Jones. Uh, there were, I mean, talk about the, I mean, there were some just, Good, funny moments. Uh, when I, I'll talk. My favorite moment was at the very end. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. Um, I don't know. Is there anything that stood out to you? All uh, the war room thing, scenes were funny. One thing I noticed was um, that the general that gave the order for uh, Plan R mm-hmm. was the the one of the guys from The Killing. Yeah. And I thought, um, and also a Stanley Kubrick movie, obviously, yep. but I thought that, that was the first thing I noticed. But yeah, I like the things that I liked. I think I liked the war scenes the most, and I liked the president's dialogue with General Buck, like Buck. Like, that's really the only thing that really I thought was funny was their banter back and forth. The back and forth between the president and Buck was pretty good, I thought. I did yeah, want to share lines I, I wrote down. A few times. Oh, I laughed when he answers the phone and it's his secretary or mistress or whatever she's supposed to be by yeah. calling him in the war room. And he's just like, right you, don't call me. you know where I am. I can't be talking right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. One of my favorite lines from the president was, he goes, I will not go down in history as the greatest mass murderer since Adolf Hitler. And Buck goes, perhaps it might be better, Mr. President, if you were more concerned with the American people than with your image in the history books. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. Also, another good president line is um, when Bucks and the uh, the Russian ambassador are fighting. He's like, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Yeah, I do like that. I do remember that one being, uh, that one got me to chuckle. <laughs> and I was trying to think, yeah. Oh, I just like like Buck, like like General Buck, like trying to like accuse or like you know get the Russian ambassador in trouble, and they're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. You planted that on me, and just like I thought that was kind of funny and goofy. That part was funny. I like when the uh, ambassador first arrives too, and the one gentleman offers him a cigar. He goes, "Try one of these Jamaican cigars, Ambassador. They're pretty good." Ambassador's like. Thank you, no. I do not support the work of imperialist stooges. Oh, so you only only comedy stooges, huh? Yeah. Well, that, that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> that got me to chuckle out loud a little bit. So, yeah, this while it wasn't like a laugh-out-loud-every-few-minute comedy, like I was kind of thinking, because, I mean, people do put this down as one of the funniest movies out there. I didn't laugh super often, but I did laugh here and there throughout start to finish. There's, I definitely like the uh, filmmaking of this. I mean, just everything from the opening credit sequence with like the soft music as the p- one plane is like refueling another plane. That just watching the credits go down. I like that. Right. I thought everybody was well cast. And if anything, it's the characters in this that definitely drive this movie. Oh yeah. A lot of it is on the back of Peter Sellers playing three different great characters. And, I mean, as far as the ending goes, I love the end, though, when uh, you've got Major Kong on the missile. <laughs> it releases, and you see him, like, waving his hat like he's riding a Bronco. Like, yeah. You know, I actually was at least glad to finally see the movie, because I've seen that spoofed in several different things. Mm-hmm. Like, Family Guy's done it, and I know I've seen it on a few other shows, but, like, it's nice to actually see the thing that they're spoofing like that, insp- like inspired that. Yeah. Now that was definitely 
probably one of the greatest shots I've seen in a movie. Just him going down, riding a missile like a mechanical bull. I mean, that yep. is just hanging brilliant. on. Like, well, nothing else to do. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I like that moment quite a bit. But yeah, yeah. it looks like the, everybody. The whole thing ends with we just have a nuclear holocaust, which is kind of funny. There was uh, something I read about here. Um, where did it go? pull it up here was this film led to actual changes in policy to ensure that events depicted in this movie could never really occur in real life thought that was pretty interesting i yeah i would hope so um because yeah like the i guess like where most of the comedy comes from i feel like that i could pick up on was the absurdity just like why can't we just tell them to turn back well because we put all these fail safes in just in case all these bad things happen, like, well, we just need to tell them to stop. Well, we can't tell them to stop because of this ridiculous thing. Yeah. So, like, the weird redundancies that would make it impossible to call off the attack. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I tried watching some of it earlier, to, like, rewatching some of it earlier today to kind of see if I'd catch up on some of the jokes better. Um, yeah, nothing really changed for me, but overall, I enjoyed this. I'm glad I can finally scratch it off the list. I'm glad I have seen it. Not only yeah. to knock it off the AFI list, but also knock it off just Stanley Kubrick films. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was definitely glad to finally have sat down and watched this. So, okay, so something I actually found out when I was, like, Googling the movie, like, after I finished, I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? So the first thing I did was Google the movie. Um, but something I found out that I thought was a really interesting piece of trivia. So I guess the original ending of the movie has never actually been viewed by the public and they've never included it on like any digital like DVD releases or Blu-ray releases. The original ending ended with the like in the war room, like kind of like tensions run high and it ends in a pie fight. I read that earlier, yeah. I'm and, like, I, when I was reading that, I was like, I need to see this ending. Yeah, there's only, like, a still image that you can see, because, like, I guess the original footage has been lost, or Kubrick might have it in his archives, is what I read. But the funny thing is, like, the reason why they don't have that ending was because they were doing a test screening, and they literally said that on the same day they are doing the test screening was the day that Kennedy got shot. Oh, so literally like they were forced to change the ending because they didn't want even a fake president in a movie to depict it like that so close after Kennedy got assassinated. So they scrapped it completely. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I'm just like, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, that is pretty cool. Well, are you glad you saw it? I mean, I am glad I've seen it now that I can. I'm like, it's more of a now I can say I've seen that movie, but. Did I like it? I mean, like there, I liked parts of it, but overall, I probably won't watch this movie again just because without like the, I feel like the cultural context, this movie doesn't really like go the distance for me. Yeah, yeah, I, it's just weird because I hear so many other people, like other film critics that I listen to, like on podcasts, like, oh yeah, Doctor Strangelove, amazing movie. I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, it's classic, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something again, but who knows? I feel like it's overall, one of those things that if you get overall, I give it, it, I guess, a thumbs up. I definitely give it a thumbs up. It definitely great characters, uh, especially with Peter Sellers and George C. Scott. Great moments for sure. I mean, with some of the dialogue, like some of the lines that are talked about earlier. But yeah, I, I mean, overall, I give this a good approval. I, I see why it's a classic. Okay, I mean, like as far as I could, like I can see, I guess I can. I, I don't know. I guess nothing I watched made me understand why it's a classic. Like, I guess Kubrick films, like, it's a well-made, weird movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, I don't know. Because I, I, well, I was just thinking, like, I don't think Full Metal Jacket is on the top 100 AFI list. And I would I would switch that out with Dr. Strange Love in a heartbeat. I'm sure. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, if you like old Hollywood movies, and I feel like this movie is one of those things that if you got into the history and the making of it kind of like makes you appreciate this more because i feel like this is probably one of those weird like movies that had a very strange production mm -hmm. but who knows I, well i mean people know i don't <laughs> i don't know 
Yeah, I'm like, that's pretty much all I got on that one. Well, why don't we switch gears here, and uh, we'll go from movie number 39 on the AFI Top 100 list to movie, movie number 38 on the AFI Top 100 list and talk The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And before we do, I've got to take a quick bathroom break. Okay, sounds good. Back for part two. All right, we're back here, and yeah, we're going to talk The Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948. And like we said earlier, number 38 on the AFI Top 100 list here. Uh, What made you want to choose this one, just out of curiosity? So it was literally just a movie podcast. I just remember a while ago listening to an episode, and they were just talking, and one of them was talking about The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, and I just like the way they're describing it sounded interesting. So I'm like, oh, I'd like to see that. And I just never saw it, never saw it. And then I'm like, oh, well, we didn't know what to do. Let's 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 do that. Why not? And I honestly thought it was like an adventure movie going in. But I'm like, apparently I was misremembering some stuff because I'm like, this was a completely different movie than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't and I... realize that. What was it? Henry, oh, what's his name? Humphrey. Humphrey Bogart from Casablanca was in this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I recognized him immediately because we just, you know, somewhat recently saw Casablanca. But yeah, like I don't know. It was kind of like just I'd heard somebody describe this, half remembered what they were saying about it, and it still just has held my interest to something I w- thought I would like to see. <laughs> so we finally oh. saw it. Yeah, uh, I had never seen this movie before. I, but yeah, I, I gotta say, you know, I watched, um, watched Doctor Strange Love Sunday night. The next day, I watched this one, and I gotta say, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was a great little. Um, I mean, it's a little mini adventure these people go on, but yeah, I thought it was great, yeah. well acted. I mean, the whole cast, the main three guys, you got Humphrey Bogart, Walter Huston, and Tim Holt. And I thought all three of them were just great in this. And quick piece of trivia, Walter Huston is the father of John Huston, who was the writer-director of the movie. Oh, really? Yep. A little bit of a father-son duo there. But yeah, what was kind of crazy is they both won Oscars that year for uh, directing and for acting, which is pretty cool, father-son duo. That's a pretty, like, hardcore. That's father-son bonding right there. Oh, yeah. But, no, I, I got to say, I, I quite enjoyed this movie, though. I had a very good time just watching these characters. You know, I mean, it's a pretty simple story. You know, two Americans searching for work in Mexico convinced this prospector to help them go mine for gold up in the Sierra Madre Mountains. And, right. you know, they just, you know, you just get to watch them, you know, what kind of goes into that kind of thing. And, I, got, I yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And it was very small scale. Yeah, it was, but that's okay. No, that's. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, like, I was a little bit, like, I was actually kind of shocked. I'm like, this movie came out in 1946, and it was over two hour, just over two hours long. And I was kind of taken back, because, like, in my mind, like, okay, like, it wasn't until, like, recently that it was became acceptable for movies to be longer than, like, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So to like see a movie all the way back from 1946 be over two hours, I'm like, that's kind of crazy. And especially this movie, like watching it, like there are yeah. like, like it almost feels like there's like like kind of valleys where like, and I think that was purposeful, like valleys where it just feels slower and more desolate, like just kind of like the movie's moving a lot slower for a little bit sometimes. Which kind Did of you think so? Me I don't know. Nothing really felt slow to me. I mean, for the most part, it felt like it was moving along pretty gradually. I mean, there's some long talking parts, like when they're in the, uh, I don't know, what, what would you say, homeless shelter? And they're talking to the prospector? Yeah, I don't know what you would call that. Just like a really cheap inn, a dive. I don't know. Yeah. So there's a few, like I guess, slow moments there. But overall, I thought it, the story kept going pretty, pretty good at a good pace. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't really get bored at all watching it. I watched it in the middle of the day instead of like late at night. 
because I, I kept thinking that might have been one of my problems with Doctor Strange Love is after we watched Back to the Future Part Three, then I started it like probably right. 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Yeah, I watched this one midday, so. <laughs> but yeah, so do you think that helped? Or do you I think the movie I, overall was just enjoyable to like? No, I'm just saying I started it early enough time that I was awake and alert and. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just enjoyed all. I enjoyed the three characters the most. Just watching them, the three of them was was entertaining to me. Um, yeah. And yeah, just seeing like kind of what became of them towards the end. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I like their interactions. Like, I, I still feel like for me, it felt like at times it was going at a snail's pace, but then you know we start picking up again when they're interacting more, or just like doing something else like it felt a little bit uneven to me but that you know i also attribute that because like i did did not grow up in the 1940s 50s or 60s like anywhere near that when movies still kind of have this sort of style Mm -hmm. but so i mean i attribute that but i also do i i found in myself that i either really love a classic movie or i just don't care for it whatsoever like i feel like with dr strangelove i kind of don't care for it whatsoever and I don't necessarily really love Sierra Madre, but I definitely enjoyed it for the most part. Like overall, I had a favorable experience. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I definitely liked this one quite a bit. I thought it was, I, don't know, I really thought it was great. I, and I would watch this one again. Strange Love eventually, but this one I would for sure watch again. Yeah. No, I definitely like Humphrey Bogart's character. And like he's, you know, they... You know, they meet up with the prospector in like this weird little halfway house or I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Just like a shitty little inn. But, yeah. you know, then they convince him to go out with them and he warns them just like, well, you know, gold turns people mad. And he's like, well, I think I'm a good enough person. I can handle it. And he's the one that eventually just pretty much is driven to insanity by his paranoia. Right. Read. I mean, there's, there's some good moments. One thing that's kind of crazy is I've heard this line several times over the years and I had no clue what it was ever from was that line from the one of the bandits that said badges we don't ain't got no badges we don't need no badges I don't have to show you any stinking badges never knew what that was from oh okay so it's one of those classic lines you've heard over the years like probably parodied on Simpsons or Family Guy yeah finally gotta see what it was from yeah no, that's always fun to like see weird things that just click and paste in place that you've seen from reference in pop culture. But yeah, but, badges. We don't need no stinking badges. I don't need to show you no badges. Yeah, yeah, I that exactly. was fun. It was fun to finally see where that line came from. But um, I don't know. I I try to think that what, what some good moments. Uh, I really I think I just like the tension at the end of it when people do start having paranoia. Like, are you going to betray me? Well, how do I know you're not going to betray me? And especially that one part where they're like, you know, like they basically have guns pointing at each other. Like, I'm waiting for you to fall asleep. Well, no, I'm going to wait for you to fall asleep. We'll see. Yeah, I bet you $150,000, you know, you'll fall asleep before me. <laughs> it's just something like that. But yeah, some of those crazy. But yeah, I think the ending, which is when things were just kind of getting nuts, or were really started getting interesting for me. If like, who's going to betray who? Who's going to end up with who? Like, what twists are we going to see? Who's going to get killed by bandits or get killed by one of the people they're working with. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I know. I was just like, all right. Yeah. I was, who's portraying whom? Like I always like at the first bit, I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be the prospector. You know, like, I wonder if he's just hiding something, but like by like, especially by like the last third of the movie, I'm like, okay, it's definitely the prospector's a golden. Like he's just an old man trying to get some money, but if he doesn't, that's fine with him too. Mm Mm-hmm. He's just trying to live out the rest of his days comfortably. <laughs> you know, and then the other guys, oh, like, a... are trying to, like, get as much money as they can all at once. Well, right, and then, which made sense, too. He's like, I'm only going to be living here, or living on this earth for a few, couple more years. Like, 25 grand is plenty. They're like, no, we need at least 75. Like, I got to get set up for a while here. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not the rest of my life, but set up for a while here. I want to get to at least 75. Yeah, yeah I can see where you know they were coming from, being younger than him. Yeah, you'll be dead in a couple of years, so 25 is plenty for you, but I got things I want to do. I did love how the uh, tribe took um, the prospector in. Like That scene was just great when he, it goes from one thing to the next, where 
first he's getting fanned, then he's eating watermelon, then he's like having a drink, then he's having a smoke. It's just one thing after another while he's just laying in a hammock. And then they're bringing him gifts, like what they bring him yeah. a parrot, then they give him a pig. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. He's just like, oh, a pig, great, and just like sets it to the side with everything thought, else. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, the prospector was just like one of those characters, like genuine, like great character. And Walter Huston, I, I didn't know who he was, but I'm glad I got to see him in something. I guess he died two years after this movie came out, too, in 1950. So, but yeah, it's good to see he got an Oscar for this as well, too. Yeah, good. And I think the only Oscar he has is for this movie. He's been he was nominated four times, but one for the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Oh, he was in Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is another one I've heard all about but never seen. Yeah, I've never seen that one either. But I did like Yeah, I liked him and what's the other just like super nice guy? You know, the one that got shot twice. <laughs> oh the Was his name Curry? Was that his character name? Oh, well, there's okay, curtain, yeah, because there was. The, are you talking about the one, of the main three, or the fourth guy that came in later? The main three. Uh, so curtain, yeah, because we had Dobbs, Howard, and curtain. Yeah, I liked him. Like obviously, like he's supposed to be. I think he's supposed to be very likable. <laughs> but like, I liked his character a lot. I liked how they kind of developed. They're like, kind of start out like partners, and then you see like some distrust being sewed in a little early, but then they seem to be working through it. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, like, it's just, you know, I get it. But, you know, they seem to be working through trust issues. Like, when he goes and rescues him from the mine cave-in, when he just almost left him there, and then decided to kind of go back for him, or at least check to see if he was okay. Check to see if he was alive good... still, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just like, ah, oh, he's dead. Yeah, I, I think Curtin was probably my favorite of all the characters. I, I like, yeah, I would say I liked him the best of the three. Oh, as far as the original, like the OG three, Curtin's my second. The old man's my first choice because he was great. <laughs> Howard, yeah, Howard's probably yeah. second for me. But yeah, all of them are good. And yeah, that um, Cody guy comes in later on. He's the one that uh, is like, from this point on, you know, we'll split what you guys make four ways from this point on, and I'll help you out. And then he just ends up getting shot by one of the bandits. I know. As far as like all the things they were talking about, like if he stuck to his word, which technically you wouldn't be able to know if he would or not. But in an ideal scenario, if he just stuck to what he said, like if he just said, keep whatever you got and everything we go from everywhere we go from here, I get a portion of. That's a decently fair deal. You're still making 10 times more than this guy. Yeah. And, and then you find out why he's shit. doing it. I got to say, that was a pretty touching moment when they uh, read the letter from his wife. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, man. So, okay. I mean, spoiler alert. That movie from 1948. How crazy to think that potentially um, Curtin went off and potentially got got with his wife. Because they made oh, it yeah. sound like he would. Because at the end of the movie, Dobbs is dead. Howard, he's going to go back with the people and be their medicine man. And Curtin's just off on his own now. And he felt the need to at least go tell. Um, Cody's family what happened to him how crazy is it though to think that he could potentially down the road just end up being like new husband and father to that kid I I thought about that but I'm like I'm like I don't know if that's gonna happen but like yeah he wanted a fruit farm he wanted to work on a fruit farm or at least own one if not work on one and so it sounds like if anything else like he was gonna go give his condolences but also be like hey I would like to work here. That's what I'm saying. Is that maybe it started out with that, but then one thing led to another, and eventually, when she was done grieving, he ends up with a wife. Like I, just, I don't know. The whole thing just sounded like, what if that actually came, was happened? As far yeah, as like, that that seemed that like a very story. distinct possibility. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. I, I, anything else you want to say on this one? I mean, I gotta say, I mean, I love things from the cinematography. One thing I read about this movie is this was one of the first American films to be made entirely on location outside of the USA. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, so now I, I think I can say I've seen three Humphrey Bogart movies, because I saw about six months ago... Uh, shit, I'll have to look it up. Anyway, 
I've seen Casablanca, the Maltese right. Falcon. That was the other one. And now oh, I've I seen... wanted to watch that one too. So yeah, Maltese Falcon, and now the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. So I can say I've officially seen three Humphrey Bogart movies. Next, I'm gonna have to watch the African Queen. That's supposed to be a, another really big classic one. I think that is on the AFI Top 100 list as well. It is. Yeah, on my short list next of anything on the AFI, probably Maltese Falcon was another one I'm really interested in seeing. And uh, what was the second one? Dang, I had two in mind. The oh, in Rear Window. I really want to watch Rear Window. I think I'd really enjoy that one. That's a fun one. Because we just, I had just recently been watching... Uh, I watched the Simpsons episode with them spoofing it with Bart, like in his cast. Oh yeah, the pool episode. Yeah, that one. That's a fun. Don't be alarmed. Continue swimming naked. Yeah. Oh come on. <laughs> so great. Yeah. So those are on my short list, but yeah, like uh, Sierra Madre. I think pretty good movie. I liked it overall. It felt a little slow at times for me, but. Still a solid classic recommendation. Yeah. Like I said, I'd watch it again. I, know, and I was actually debating, too, because it was like $3 to rent or 10 to own digitally. And I'm like, hmm. I went the cheaper route, but I'm like, part of me is like, man, I should have just bought it because I would totally watch this again. Yeah, but you don't know that till afterwards. <laughs> just didn't know, but that's all right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Should we wrap it up here? Yeah. I got to so, eat dinner soon. Yeah, me as well. All right. Well, that's our reviews of Dr. Strangelove and the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I would say, yeah, I don't think they're available to stream anywhere. You just have to go to Amazon Prime or Vudu account and just rent them. But I'd say definitely worth it checking out, especially if yeah, you're just why curious. Not? Why not? All right. Well, that concludes this episode of Movies and Brews. Daniel, where can they find us? You can find us online on <laughs> movies underscore brews on Instagram and Twitter. Let us know what you thought. If you've seen these movies, do you think Doctor Strange loves one of the best comedies ever? Or do you think it's weird and crazy just like us? Let us know. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading the podcast and listening. If you like what you hear, share it with others. It helps the show grow. And if you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. That helps. And we'll talk to you next week on Movies and Brews. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.